Yeah, so anyway, the doctor says the rash should, you know, just clear up as long as I keep using the ointment. Oh, oh, uh, are we recording? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, everyone, this is Chad coming to you from the early autumn crisp of Astoria, Oregon. And I'm Clint coming to you from the big little city of Roanoke, Virginia. And this is our podcast all about teaching schooled you. Brought to you by two middle-aged teachers, dads, and hipster doofuses who talk across the country about our combined 30-plus years of education experiences. It's the podcast made by teachers for teachers. And everyone else. We are hoping that you'll find it as thrilling as a last-second field goal to win the game. Well, hopefully we don't clank one off the crossbar. Jeez, now that I put it that way, it kind of adds a lot of pressure. It sure does. And you know, speaking of pressure, I feel like starting the show with some heated debate. Sure. Yeah, I think it's time to bring back one of our favorite segments. School Supply Showdown. The rules are simple. We've selected two school supplies, which will be randomly assigned to each of us. We will then have about 60 seconds to make an argument why our school supply rules and the other one drools. Because <laughs> it's a dog. Uh, <laughs> the other contestant will then get an opportunity for a short rebuttal. And then you, our amazingly talented and super smart listeners, will have a chance to vote for which supply reigns supreme. So today's items are much utilized tools, but I'm not sure if I'd put them under the category of school supply as much as maybe AV equipment. The classic whiteboard, or as some might call it, the dry erase board, versus the newer, more technologically advanced document camera. Ooh. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, I have them both written on separate pieces of paper, folded into quarters. Okay. I'm going to draw the first one. This one's going to go to you, Clint. Here okay. we go. Brrr. The document camera for Clint. Dot cam, got it. I will be taking the whiteboard. Does this mean I go first? Start, man. Okay, here we go. Document cameras. They're like a whiteboard, but better. And here's why. You can take a dry erase board and put it underneath your document camera, and you would still be able to write anything you want up on the screen. You can make corrections. You can change things. You can do all the stuff that you would normally do on a whiteboard. But you also have the added help of being able to put, as the name implies, documents under that camera. You can edit things. You can show people people, how to do a math problem, how the science works. If you are a biology teacher, you can like put a specimen underneath the camera. It will be up on the screen so everyone can see what's going on. It will be kind of like those videos that you see on Facebook and Instagram all the time of people making things in fast motion, except for you'll be in regular motion. But you can explain all the steps and make those things happen. For an English teacher, correcting mistakes. Easy to show how do you go through and edit something. Or if you are trying to read a particular paragraph and talk about the symbolism involved, you can underline all those pieces and show them how to annotate their work. It's just much more versatile and better for students and teachers. All right, those are good arguments, Clint, but I hate to tell you that the whiteboard is the better tool. One of the advantages to a whiteboard is you have the ability to to move around the room. You know, we've talked in this class before about uh, teaching being, you know, part theater. And when you're just standing at a document camera, kind of facing your kids, there's kind of a dullness to that. Plus, you typically have the lights off because you got to see the screen. With the whiteboard, you can move around the room. You can be animated. You can draw on one side of the board, and you can you can move to the other side. You have these all these bright colors. You have this really nice bright white board that really kind of like contrasts with the reds and the blacks and the greens of of your of your pen. The other nice thing about whiteboards is that you can have them in multiple 
multiple places around your room. With a document camera, you typically have one projector and one screen, so all kids are looking at one spot in the room. Most classrooms have whiteboards in, in the front or the side of the room, and so you get proximity, if I'm gonna use a fancy teaching term, where you can get closer to other kids and not necessarily have kids in the front and kids in the back. And time is up. All right, we've laid out our two arguments. Now it's time for rebuttals. Since I went first before, do you wanna go first on this one? Yeah. You've got 30 seconds on the clock. So I think I already kind of covered this. I, I threw a couple, I threw a little bit of shade at the document camera already, but I think one of the biggest disadvantages is that you're just kind of standing in one spot as you're working on your document camera. The projector is in one spot in the room. I think that's a real disadvantage, especially uh, because you do have to have the lights off quite a bit to be able to see everything up on the screen. And I think that just makes can kind of make a little bit of a dull, boring room. And if, the, if it's too dark in there, uh, kids are going to get sleepy. All right. That is time. Okay. I'm ready for mine. Go. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but there's this thing called a cart. And you can put the projector wherever you want. You could move it all over the place. It's mobile even within a single class period, you would not need to worry about it being stuck in one place. A whiteboard, on the other hand, once it's on the wall, it's on the wall. Second thing, are you bad at art? I'm bad at art. Document cameras allow you to trace things. You can make posters for free. Boom, roasted. Uh, first of all, there's cords attached to document cameras. And second of all, you're bad at art, but I'm not. Boom, <laughs> double roasted. Doesn't matter about the cords, man. I can <laughs> plug it into multiple places. There's more than one plug-in in my room. This is getting ugly, man. I feel like this is like coming between our friendship. So uh, <laughs> It's going to get violent uh, through the phone line. <laughs> that was pretty intense. I have so many strong feelings welling up. I think I might need a quick break to put myself back together. Okay, but first, listeners, don't forget to visit our Facebook page and vote for which item wins, the whiteboard or the document camera. Now, let's hear a word from our sponsor, Blue Apron. Are you too busy to make a home-cooked dinner after a long day teaching other people's kids? Needing a day off to recharge? Flu Apron has the solution you're looking for. That's right, Flu Apron sends you fresh, delicious, pre-portioned ingredients to make unbelievably delicious meals, but also provides a special viral blend to make you just the right amount of sick. You know, sick enough to skip work without feeling guilty, but not so sick you won't enjoy binge-watching Stranger Things from your couch all day. So the next time you're needing a great meal and a day off, think Flu Apron. Yum. Welcome back. For our second segment of the show, we are going to talk about department meetings. Oh, yeah. Or maybe grade-level meetings for some of our elementary folks. Now, for many, the idea of any meeting is cringeworthy, and department meetings can be notoriously unproductive unstructured, and at times, darn right hostile. Darn right. And while we certainly don't have all the answers, between the two of us, we participated in probably hundreds of department meetings over the years and have picked up a few tips to help make the most of them. Stop cutting me off already and let me get a word in, would you? Please. We're way off agenda. And you keep complaining about the new initiative our principal is implementing. In fact, I don't even know what we're supposed to be doing in this segment. Ah! I had such a stressful day, I'm exhausted. Dude, I don't even want to be here. Okay, relax, Chad. And nice acting. I, I <laughs> like how you put that together. Well done. Thank you. The Oscar goes to Chad Madsen. <laughs> 
you definitely hit on some of the big issues that get in the way of productive time with your colleagues. So let's tackle one thing at a time and see what solutions we can come up with. The first one, and I think this is probably going away a little bit because of the expectations for structure, but one of the big ones is not having a meeting agenda. Sometimes uh, an administrator will be like, you need to have a department meeting once a month. And so the scheduled time comes around and we all sit in there and it's like, well, what are we supposed to be doing? Blah, 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 blah. And it ends up becoming just a chat. Or maybe the administrator has kind of requested one thing to make sure that's covered in the next meeting, but that's a maybe a 15-minute conversation. So making sure that you have an agenda that you know you've kind of collected topic items throughout the week or month or however long it's been since your last meeting, and then someone puts that together and sends it out ahead of time is really helpful. Yeah, I think having it ahead of time so that way people go in prepared, uh, it's a little bit like your homework for the meeting. It's a lot better when students come into your class with their homework done than when it's not done. So that way they've already thought about it and they have some things to to add so it it goes more quickly. And along the same lines, sometimes not having an objective or a goal to what you want to accomplish. And I think that's a little bit different than the agenda because agenda sometimes to me is just like a checklist of like, we need to cover this, we need to cover this. But but really having like a bigger picture, like, like why are we all getting together as a group versus just like fixing this through a couple uh, group emails or something. So like having a bigger goal or objective is I think really important. Something long-term that the group has discussed probably at the beginning of the school year with possibly the administrator present and just deciding what are our goals for our group this year. And that's one of the things that I really liked about the PLC system was that you did have to have some kind of a goal that you were working toward instead of just an informational meeting is what a lot of times uh, department meetings devolve into. You know, and, and just one little tip uh, for, for people who work in smaller schools, um, my math department is one of the most productive groups I've ever been a part of. I mean, our meetings are, I enjoy them, like I look forward to them and I feel like we get a ton done. And one of the things we kind of figured out a few years ago was in a small school, we aren't necessarily sharing classes. So uh, for a while, I was the only one teaching Algebra 1. And so to kind of come up with these unrealistic or unreachable goals that somehow everyone is going to hit wasn't a good idea. And so we, we've really started being good at saying, okay, we're going to set a goal for this teacher or for this class, and everyone is going to kind of help with ideas and um, help support that person for the next three weeks. And then when we get to that point, then we'll rotate whatever that goal is. But instead of trying to like shoehorn a goal into everyone's different content areas, sometimes it's okay to just say, all right, this goal is going to really affect teacher A and B, and we're just going to support them in our meetings. That's a great point. And even with bigger schools, when you've got multiple people teaching the same thing, sometimes you have to do, you do have to meet as an entire department and being able to like focus on one problem at a time is, does really, really help. So I said earlier that having the meeting agenda out ahead of time is helpful because then people come in prepared. But sometimes people come into the meeting and they don't know what's going on. They haven't done whatever it is that they were supposed to do from last time. And what are you supposed to do with those people? One of the things we I discussed earlier is that, you know, department meetings can sometimes be hostile. I mean, sometimes people don't get along really well. And so there's kind of a balance here. I mean, you need to create the expectation that, you know, you needed to bring this data and you didn't. But that's kind of a, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of a sticky situation. I don't want to be an administrator of my group. I don't want to be somebody who is disciplining or shaming people necessarily. That's not necessarily my job, nor is that something I want to be doing. But at the same time, that expectation has to be set. I don't know. What do, what do you think? Well, I think that there is a certain amount of public shame that's like, hey, did you bring this in? Like calling the person 
on it a little bit. And if they say no, you can then be like, oh, what can we do? And if everybody else has done their part, most teachers are professional enough to be like, oh, gosh, I'm sorry, everybody. I'll try to get it for next time, I promise. Sometimes that piece can just be enough of a motivator to be like, oh, yeah, I don't want to be the one that never does what he's supposed to do. A couple of years ago, one of the roles in our in our team was uh, the person that brought snacks. That kind of was a last thought for a lot of people. And quite often, the person that was supposed to bring snacks either forgot or you'd bring snacks and it wasn't like everyone didn't necessarily like that snack or whatever. So it's just kind of... we well, just that's because you brought everybody salads, yeah. Chad. No, you're you're partially right there. Um, <laughs> but, Have an apple slice. But, but we kind of all agreed to just like, listen, if you want to bring a snack to your to the PLC, go for it. But don't make that a, a expectation or a role. You know, if you're going to ask people to bring things, make sure it's relevant and that's going to be actually used at the meeting. You know, don't add extra work uh, for no reason. I think one of the really big ones, this is kind of a factor that really makes or breaks good meetings, I think, in, in any place, is a good system for communication. Uh, when you have groups of five or six or bigger, you know, just people interrupting or, or taking over meetings. What have you seen or what do you do to kind of help with that? I mean, I think that this takes a certain amount of leadership from the department head or perhaps a delineated role to somebody else, but setting up team rules or norms. What are the norms of these meetings? Which always makes me think of cheers. Have anybody? No! Having the expectations that we have in this meeting and then when somebody violates one of those norms or violates one of those rules, you don't have to like make a huge deal out of it, but say, we want to stay focused here. I'm not sure that that's appropriate at this time. Uh, I remember going to a conference once where they were talking about norms and this one group had somebody who was very creative and they put uh, a picture of Norm from Cheers on a little popsicle stick. And if anybody was breaking the norms, they would just hold it up. And so it's kind of this passive aggressive way of saying, hey, shut up about that. But it's also kind of funny because it's Norm. And less uncomfortable. And I think in most cases when people are breaking those norms it's not intentional or out of any sort of spite towards the norm so when someone reminds me of it i quickly can readjust without being offended right everybody has tangents that they go off on and it, sometimes you need some little signal to rein you back in because once you hear that you're like oh yeah whoops and our plc we always of course had some sort of norm about not cutting people off or letting people finish or something. And we noticed last year we were having a really hard time with that. You know, three people in the group would have a thought and we really had no order in terms of who kind of gets to go next. And it's kind of silly, and it, it, but it really is effective is that if you have a thought, you just hold up your finger. It just means like I'm next. Um, it kind of stands out because if you're sitting around a table and someone's holding up their finger, you can notice. It's like raising your hand, but yes. less <laughs> juvenile. It doesn't right. make you feel like, oh, I'm a little kid exactly. who has to raise his hand. Exactly. And it, and it seems to work really well. Everyone once in a while, you don't notice it or something, and, and then someone else points out, like, oh, you know, so-and-so had their finger Hey, up. I was giving you the finger. Yeah. Did I mention it's your middle finger that you put? <laughs> <laughs> So, so another another big issue, just the rants and the negativity that can easily happen, especially as in my role playing earlier, it's been a stressful day. I'm super exhausted. And then the negativity, sometimes the negativity obviously coming from decisions that an administrator's made or other things that are happening that people just want to kind of vent on. Or just hating meetings in general. Yeah. I think with that, I think that there needs to be an acknowledgement that sometimes you do need to commiserate. Sometimes you do need to talk about the problems that are facing the school or 
or you or whatever. But there needs to be a time and a place for it. And if one of your norms is when we're in this meeting, we're talking about problem X and we're trying to solve it, then I think that you have to be able to say, okay, that is a terrible situation. We're going to talk about it, but just not right now. We need to we need to use this time valuably. And then those people that need to talk about it can talk about it later, which sounds pretty harsh. Um, I just went through a department meeting where it was the first time that we had an administrator in the room with us that was actually over the English department. And we had a lot of questions about the policies or the lack thereof and how we were going to deal with it. And we kind of overtook the meeting because we were like, but no, maybe those things are important to all of you in the administration world, but we have other issues. And I think it was valuable because everybody felt heard for the first time, but that can't be the situation every time. And so I think as a leader, if you're a leader in that meeting, you have to kind of read the room and recognize, okay, there's a serious problem and we need to address it. It's like if you said, you know, we want to buy a new couch and that's the thing that we're trying to figure out for our family, but also the kitchen's on fire. You should probably go (laughs) fix the kitchen fire before you decide on a new couch. And so being able to be flexible and prioritize and hear people's problems when necessary, but if it's something that's like, I have a problem with this particular student, okay, not everybody has had that student, not everybody knows exactly what to do, let's work on our agenda first, and then when we're done, those people that could help out have time afterwards. That's really good advice. I mean, I think really triaging it, if it is a major thing but and, and needs to be addressed, because if you put that on the back burner, that's that could be problematic. Right. It just festers. Just trying to make the decision on what is a priority and what is just a kind of a rant. That's the hard part. One thing that one of our team members implemented a few years ago, they got this actually by job shadowing a construction company's business meeting. We start every meeting going around the room and everybody in the department gets to share business best and personal best. And so you just get to throw out something that's going really well in school and then throw out something that's going really well in your personal life. And, you know, sometimes they've been big and sometimes they've been like, I remember last year, one of our team members was like, yeah, I'm getting new tires on my car. And I haven't ever done that. And I'm really excited. So little things. And then we also added cry for help. And you get to choose two out of the three. We've kind of pledged that is not the moment to provide a solution. We're not going to talk about it. But what it means is if you're like, oh, man, I'm having this really hard time with this kid. You've thrown it on the table. It's out there. And then after the meeting, as you're walking back to your room or maybe the next morning, another teacher can be like, hey, I had that kid last year. This is what I did. It seemed to work. But uh, it is just a chance to kind of like get it out there. And again, we don't try to fix it at the time, but it does kind of allow you the chance to just for 20 seconds to vent a little bit and then to get back Uh, And sometimes that seems to help. There's a great need to just be heard and acknowledged. And sometimes when we are too focused on, no, 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 we can't talk about that. We we negate that, which then makes us fester. And that's when people blow up trying to get it heard finally. All this kind of dovetails into this just kind of getting off topic too often. So being able to like redirect is, is kind of a leadership position, I think. And what's hard about that is sometimes some of the best ideas about other things that should be talked about come from those kind of going off topics. And so I think one of the important keys to that is saying, you know, let's put that on the agenda for next week, or that's a really good thought. Let's write that down and put that at the end of our agenda today and see if we have time for it. I've seen groups, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but having a post-it notes for people to grab and they can grab a post-it note, write down their thought. Cause I hate it when I have a thought that's off topic, but also important. And then I forget it when it comes time where I can actually talk about it. So having post-it notes and you can kind of stick them 
off to the side and then either the leader can go over them or you can hand them all in and they can be worked on, added to that agenda or whatever, just to kind of help keep things moving along. Plus post-it notes are fun. Especially if you get the ones that are like accordions. Yes. Those are my favorite. So kind of the, the last one here, and this is also just a major, I guess, negative or, or positive, is just the fact that you're going to have differing opinions, philosophies, personalities within a department. And sometimes that can be great and sometimes problematic. I think that the key there is that you kind of have to just accept it. You got to walk into it knowing that that's the case. And you also have to approach this with a little bit of humility saying, I guess I don't know all the answers. I, I thought I did, but I don't. And from people that you don't always agree with, there might be some thoughts out there that you're like, oh, actually, that's pretty smart. I, I typically have freshmen. And so I, I'm always checking in with them as they're sophomores and juniors and seniors and how they're doing in their other math classes. And it's always fun to hear kids say, I really learn really well from this person who I know definitely has kind of a different approach than I do. It's nice to know everyone does things a little bit differently and that is beneficial to our students as well. And so to like be able to sit in a meeting and say like, yeah, we do things a little bit differently, but it's clearly an effective way to, to reach our kids. And then obviously, you know, just the personalities, I mean, going aside from the teaching part, I hate to say this, but that's life. I mean, we are going to work with people a lot that have different personalities. You may not even care for them very much, but having kind of the big goal in mind is the important thing. And that is one of the nice things about teaching. You do get to be in your room and work with the kids. And I mean, it's one of the reasons I enjoy teaching is because I don't have to work with adults all the time. No offense to adults, but kind of offense to adults. <laughs> kind of offense. Yeah. Adults, stop being such weirdos that make it hard for me to talk to you. You know, in all honesty, one of the reasons I got out of administration was I didn't get to work with kids as much and I had to work with adults uh, too much. Well, that was actually, I, I think, pretty helpful. I think that this will give me some tools for that next department meeting that I've got, and I'm I'm looking forward to, to trying some of those out. Yeah, me too. So what other meeting tips do you have? Let us know by posting on our Facebook page or Twitter, at SchoolDupod. And now, another message from Flu Apron. Hi, everybody. Clint here. October can be one of the toughest months to teach. The honeymoon period with student behavior is over, grading is starting to stack up, and three-day weekends are few and far between. That's why, when I'm starting to feel overwhelmed, I turn to Flu Apron, the only meal service that is guaranteed to fill you up with delicious food, then empty you out the next day so you cannot leave your house. Flu Apron has many sumptuous recipes to choose from, such as baked porchetta quesadillas, Spanish shrimp and rice, and chili glazed meatloaf. But it also has a wide range of malady medleys, specially designed to make you just the kind of sick you prefer, including a mucus mixture, cough concoction, fever fusion, diarrhea draft, and many more, Flu Apron has just the right combination of germs to get you off of your feet and out of the classroom. So follow my advice and subscribe to Flu Apron today. Use the promo code SCHOOLJA for 10% off your first order, and remember, it's not lying if you're actually sick. Welcome back. It's now time for our new favorite segment of the show... Wait, what? This week, we're going to talk about something we've seen or heard in the last few weeks we just can't seem to get out of our head. Clint, start us off. I'm not a fan of reality TV shows, really. And I especially am not a fan of when reality TV shows use political or divisive figures to try to boost ratings. So that means that I'm not a huge fan of Dancing with the Stars because that seems to be the only thing that they know how to do is put ridiculous people up on stage dancing in ridiculous <laughs> ways and making people watch. And uh, Sorry, dude. I know where you're going with this right now and I just looked it up and that's why I'm on it. <laughs> yeah, you should look it up because it's ridiculous. Sean Spicer, President Trump's former press correspondent, <laughs> 
went out on stage in a neon green frilly salsa shirt. Oh my gosh. As I'm going to quote somebody that I saw on Twitter. His name is James Hassan, I think. He compared it to the puffy shirt from Seinfeld. If you remember that. I don't want to be a pirate. But it's neon green and like kind of this weird rayon-y silk type material. Maybe satin. I don't know. And he comes out and like does a shoulder shimmy with his arms in the air and it's just so dang awkward and gross and I'm willing to bet that he went into the spin room later and told us it was the best performance of all time <laughs> period like why are we putting Sean Spicer on TV oh he's awful well and this poor professional dancer that has to like not just dance with him on stage but like had to spend hours with him yeah practicing spend time with him yeah I'm I'm just not a fan not a fan. Okay, what do you got? Well, as you know, Clint, I'm a sports fan. Really? And, yeah. But I, I think, sure? And, and, but, you know, I don't sit and watch, like, sports all the time and stuff. I just kind of like to follow along. And if there's a game on, especially football, I, I, I like to have it on the background. I don't I don't sit on my couch all weekend and just watch football. But anyway. No, you do um, push-ups and, during and, you know, timeouts. I, for, the, <laughs> for the most part, I do think that most professional athletes are pretty good people. I think the, the divas and the extravagance that we sometimes see in the news is probably overblown in terms of... Of, you know, you got a NFL team with 53 guys, and I think most of them are probably hardworking, family-oriented, very wealthy athletes. But every once in a while, I'm just kind of blown away by not just the extravagance, but also the flauntiness of some of these kind of diva-esque athletes. And and I don't know if you saw this, but in the first week of the NFL season a few weeks ago, Odell Beckham Jr., who's a receiver for the Cleveland Browns, wore a watch during the game. And so the controversy was about the watch and that the NFL told him he couldn't wear it and, and he said he was going to anyway and blah, blah, blah. But And that doesn't surprise me because these guys can be real stinkers when it comes to the authority and everything else. But what stinkers. really bothers me and that I guess I can't get out of my head is this was a $350,000 watch. Oh. And while I know these things exist and while I know that there is extravagance beyond what I can even comprehend in this world, whenever I see something like that, whenever I think about a wristwatch that you're wearing in an NFL football game that cost more than my home and that would be life-changing money for so many people on this earth. Uh, it's hard to wrap my head around. And then to wear it in, <laughs> in a football game where it could probably just get broken very easily. It is, it's one of those things I, I just have a hard time getting out of my head. Well, that ends our third show of the year. Do you have any questions? Want to share your meeting tips? We have an email address for that. Contact us at schooljapodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Astoria. You can also find me on Instagram at Chatterboxes and at my web store, chatterboxes.com. And don't forget about our website, schooljapod.com. And as a quick reminder, in case you couldn't figure it out, all our sponsors are fake. And as always, a big shout out to my wife, Nikki, for our wonderful theme song. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe. Yeah, and don't forget to give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find us. Or if that seems too hard, tell a friend to listen. Or hire a skywriter to advertise in the clouds. Sure, if you want to. But we'd be pretty happy if you just told a friend. Dude, why do you gotta crush my dreams? Because your dreams are dumb. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening. See you soon. All right, buddy. <laughs> I gotta roll. <laughs>